Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And there. Yeah, beautiful California. And they're even putting signs in restaurants, we won't serve you water unless you specially request. Yeah, oh, everywhere. And everybody's so aware of cutting back. We're with, with uh, Richard's brother, um, Chris, and his wife, Hetty, and they have the most gorgeous yard here. It's absolutely beautiful. And they put a big sign up down by their mailbox saying all of our vegetation is is uh, watered by spring a uh, spring on the property so we're not, we're not we're not using, using water <laughs> and um it really is amazing though it's amazing everybody's very aware of it big signs on the freeways and and uh it's scary there's a lot of water there's a that lot goes of water by. that goes by i'll tell you but we're we're here for a wonderful special purpose namely the graduation of our son-in-law ian wright who has finished his Ph.D. at Stanford and is going to get his degree at the commencement ceremonies tomorrow. We're excited for him. Um, Stanford makes a big deal out of graduation. They do, and we're so excited to be there. We've done Harvard and Columbia and UPenn and And BYU. MIT and BYU. (laughs) And... um, it's really been a wonderful season of graduations for us. If you've been listening, uh, we have another son that graduated from USC and then also a grandson graduated from high school. So this is the end of our graduation season. But instead of being on the road giving speeches or doing book tours or whatever, we're on the road seeing graduates. We had our first grandson graduate from high school a couple of weeks ago, which, by the way, Linda, is a great segue into today's subject matter because we've been spending a lot of our time writing lately on a book that is coming out in the fall and it's going to be called Life in Full. And it is written for baby boomers. It's written for people who are now in their 50s or 60s who were born between 1946 and 1964. That's the official span of baby boomers. And uh, we're excited about this book because that's the span we're in and grandchildren and a lot of those wonderful things happening and how do you make your life as full as possible in those years. So if you're a baby boomer, you've turned into the right show today. If you're a younger person than a baby boomer, if you're a millennial or a Generation X person or whatever, Quickly call your parents and have them tune in. No, <laughs> no, just listen closely and maybe we'll share something that will be useful to your parents. Although I will say this is not really a show oriented just to baby boomers because we're doing the show on seven decisions that we put in our book that we think baby boomers should ask themselves to, to help decide how they want to live the balance of their lives. But did you notice, Linda, that the first we, we, we put an article on these seven decisions in our newspaper column last week, and the first uh, comment we got was someone who said, well, I like those seven questions, but, but you've made a mistake. And the mistake is that you've said they're just for people who are in their 50s or 60s. Those are seven questions that everyone should really ask themselves because they're provocative questions. They're questions that cause you to do a little thinking about where you are in your life and where you want to be in your life and 
how you're spending your time, how you're allocating your effort and your mental energy. So even though we wrote these seven questions as the first part of this new book, which is a book for baby boomers called Life in Full, we are presenting it today on the radio in Ayers on the Road as seven questions that every one of us should consider asking ourselves, very family-oriented questions. Well, before you actually do the seven questions, I know you're anxious to chop me another bit. No, to do we that. can we can leave people hanging for a while. No, and but I, I what could those seven questions be? No, I think you question every time there is a change in your life, and graduations are a change. Right. There's so many graduations going on right now um, of all kinds, from preschool, joy school, kindergarten. Um, eighth grade, middle school, high school, college, masters, PhDs. I mean, there's so many graduations, but it does cause you to think, you know, where am I going and what am I doing? And actually for our daughter, it causes her to panic because her oldest is graduating from high school and we have to do everything with him that we possibly can <laughs> before he leaves. Now we have to do this with Max because he's going to be gone next year. Now we have to do this with Max. And, oh, my gosh, Max is leaving. She's literally hyperventilating over this child leaving. And I think as we as you contemplate, I mean, we see in perspective, we've done about 23 graduations since our first high school graduation. And uh, it really is a time to contemplate and think and, and where do you want to go and what is going to happen. And also life is long. That child is going to come back and he's going to go off uh, actually and learn about who he really is. Learn about the world. Learn about how he handles stress and how without his mother telling him what to do all the time. <laughs> well, and just another little parenthetical, Linda, you mentioned Joy School graduation. A lot of you listeners know about Joy School, a preschool program that is based on one of our books. And I just wanted to say that while you were out of the room a minute ago, Aaron, who's our producer, informed me that he's a Joy School graduate. So oh, what do you think of that? We have so many wonderful parents out there who have done Joy School. Not well, that you're not wonderful kids, we run in, we run it. into people who are but, now adults who are saying, I was a Joy School person in preschool. And we say, well, no wonder you turned out so well. Oh, you're so <laughs> joyful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we are, I'm sure this is what you're getting to, we're doing a whole new Joy School 2.0 this year. And uh, that's uh, even a graduation when you uh, put a child through preschool and teach them about the joys of life and how wonderful the world is and so on. Um, it is, every stage is going into a new era where you have to think, what do we do next? So Now we got to get to our seven, seven questions, but... Uh... Yeah, Joy School, that's for the little kids. I don't know what their generation is called. They're not They're not millennials. They're the next generation. I don't but, think they uh, have a label yet. Joy School 2.0. If you're curious about Joy School, just go to joyschools.com. Now let's get back to these seven questions, Linda. So we're suggesting, I'm going to read you the very first page from this forthcoming book, and then I'm going to make sure you know it's not just for baby boomers, but the book starts out by saying, more than any generation from any time and from any place, we, the baby boomers, have the opportunity to make seven very personal, very destiny-determining decisions. Now, you can leave all seven to chance and to circumstance, or 
you can become proactive about them. So here's the first one, and this, this is one that some people really push back on. Number one, decide how long you want to live because the number of years you want will likely be a factor in how many you have. Now, a lot of people will say, well, wait a second. You can't decide how long you're going to live. You have no control over that. You have no control over whether you're getting in an accident or whether you um, get cancer get or die. But, but, but again, all these questions are meant to be provocative. And, and our pushback to the pushback is, of course, you don't have all the control over how long you live. But you have a lot more control than you think. And making a decision about how long you think you'd like to live um, really is a factor in how you live, how you eat, how you exercise, so many other things. I wonder if I should run through all seven and then come back and we'll explore each one just so people get an idea of what we're talking about. Here. What okay, okay. So number two is decide who you want to spend those years with because the people who matter most should get the most time. Number three, decide how you want to look and how you want to feel because you have more control over both of those things than you might think. Number four, decide how much money you will need because though it's not an end, it is a means to many of the ends that you'll have in mind. Number five, decide what you want to keep and what you want to start because those will determine what you discard and what you stop doing. A lot of a lot of thinking with people who are, you know, in their 50s and 60s about downsizing, about what they want to keep and what they want to discard and so on. But we think that you start by deciding what you want to hang on to and what you want to start doing because that'll determine what you discard or what you stop. Number six, decide which God you believe in and which self you will be because both will influence all of the other six decisions. And number seven, decide what, and more importantly, who your legacy will be, because that choice will bring purpose and joy. So obviously what we're doing here in the opening of this book is trying to set the stage for people who are in their 50s or 60s and who probably have another 20 or 30 good years left more than any other generation has ever had at that age. And we're trying to suggest here are some things to be thinking about because you've got a large, long future still ahead. But again, people are saying, hey, those are questions for everyone. So we want to talk about them as they apply to people of any age. And I want to start on that first one, Linda, decide how long you want to live. We often do this in speeches. We say to the audience, you know, we're going to give you five-year categories and tell us when you think would be a good time for you to finish up in this life and, and, and pass on. And then we say, you know, we start with 70. You think between 70 and 75 would be a good time to check out? 75 to 80? 80 to 85? And it's really interesting It is what interesting. We find. Well, when we're talking to 40-year-olds, 75 sounds just fine. Yeah, 75 is, you know, pretty old. But then when we're talking to older audiences who are 70 or 65 or so, even 55, um, they say, oh, no, no, maybe 90. I mean, you know, they, it changes as you get older because you know how old 40-year-olds used to seem to us when we were teenagers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were so old. And now um, 
you know, 40-year-olds are just babies. They're just getting started. I mean, some of our kids are 40, and it just blows me away thinking. We keep readjusting. We keep readjusting. Oh, 65 is not old anymore. And, you know, we do like to say, and we say it in the book, that 65 is really the new 45 because, you know, it used to be that a 45-year-old would think, I've got 20 more good years. What am I going to do with them? Well, that's what 65-year-olds are now thinking. I've got 20 more good years. What am I going to do with them? So the game really is changing. But don't you think it's interesting when we, when we do this to a fairly large audience? What surprises me is how many of them say, well, I think, um, I think I'd like to die sometime between 70 and 75. And then we get another big group that want to live to be 100, and there's not too many in between. It's kind of interesting. Well, not too many want to live to be 100. It depends on how their parents died. I mean, if they yeah. lived a healthy life till the end and they were 90 and everything was great, then that's how old they want to be. But if they have a parent who had dementia or Alzheimer's or something and no quality of life, then it's totally different. So yeah. we need to take a break right now, but we have a lot more to talk about, as you can tell from those seven questions when we come back in just a minute. And one of the things we're going to do right when we come back is explain why we think some people say, I think 75 would be long enough to live. But we'll be right back after these couple of messages. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back um, talking today about seven decisions you need to make. Um, no matter what age you are, we talked about it being applying to baby boomers, but, you know, if, if this is good to think about no matter what age you are. So on question number one, how, how long do you want to live? When we ask this to, to audiences, again, what's interesting well, you get a lot of them who will say, I think I'd be fine if I lived to be maybe 70 or 75. And you say, well, why don't you want to live longer? And they, the normal answer is, the most usual answer is, well, I just don't want to be a burden on anyone. You know, I just want to check out before I lose any of my capacity. I'm a little afraid of dementia. I'm a little afraid of Alzheimer's. I'm a little afraid of getting sick. I'm a little afraid of rest homes. And so on. Then you get this other big group who says, oh, I want to live to be 100 or 95 at least, because I'm so curious. I want to see what what will the world be like in 30 years. And they're going to have so much better medical care, and they're going to have breakthroughs. I think I can go on and on. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. It really is wild. But I have to repeat, there aren't too many that want to live past 100, um, because they they don't have the vision of of seeing what the world might be like by then. But it is really interesting to think about, and it's something we do need to ponder. And that first question is really kind of a setup for the second one. Decide who you want to spend those years with. Because, you know, when we, when we deal with older people, and, and sometimes in, in meetings and sometimes individually, there are a lot of regrets. And all the regrets seem to be, when you really boil them down, where they spent their time and what they spent their effort on. And believe me, you never hear anyone saying on their deathbed, oh, I wish I'd spent a little more time with the business or I wish I'd spent a little more time making money. They all say, I wish I'd spent a little more time with my children or with my family or with my loved ones. Or grandchildren. There are a lot of people who raise good, successful families and then they just go off in a community for adults only and play golf. 
um, or tennis for the rest of their lives because they figure I've done my thing, I've, I'm done. And um, we, I think we spoke recently on the radio show about a family that we had dinner with. The parents were so concerned because they had teenagers that their parents were not at all interested in, and they did want them, want their help because they're, they were struggling. And uh, I think if they're asked, it's always, they'll always come through. But sometimes um, these people think, I just, you know, I'm just so tired of kids, I'm not going to do this anymore. And they miss such an important part of their life. Well, and when you think about that question number two, it, it really is a question for people of all ages because we run into so many younger professionals who... Um, Bless their hearts. They're they're working 14, 16-hour days. They're, and you, the mentality is sort of, well, I've got to work hard and get ahead now and, and you know, set myself up financially so that I can really, you know, have a good life for my family. And that's a tragedy in a way because usually those are the very years they have young kids and that they need to spend more time with their kids. So deciding where are you going to spend the time? So important. Right. In fact, we just went to this USC graduation, which we mentioned, and uh, our son graduated in business with a master's, and the commencement speaker, who hopefully nobody knows, but he he spoke, I mean, he spoke for a long time on get out there and make money, and this is important, and he did say live within your means, which is really good, but he never mentioned why you want to make some money, and we thought that was really kind of sad yeah there's no no end to the means it was not about you know do you have a career as an end in itself or do you have a career because you love your family and you're you want to provide a good life for them and, i'm sure he meant that but and he had eight well, or nine but kids. i but i think it's the difference between you know the scriptures talk about Money, not money being the root of all evil, but the love of money being the root of all evil. And it's like if money or career or finances are a means to an end, you're probably going to have good priorities. But when they become an end in themselves, maybe not. Anyway, number three, decide how you want to look and how you want to feel. You know, it is interesting that we live in a in a society where too many people are well, it's you know it's kind of interesting, isn't it, Linda? And it's, it, there's a there's a subculture that's obsessed with their bodies and how they look and with fitness and with you know a diet and so on, almost to the point of extreme obsession. But there is a much larger group that really doesn't care much and doesn't take the time to and and sort of thinks I just got the body I got and you know I can't do anything about it. And there's so much we can do about our health and about what we eat and so on. And do you think generally people are even more, con I think our kids are more conscious at the age they are now of diet and exercise and so on than we were when we were that age. Well, and sadly, a lot of the teenagers now are thinking too much about how they look right. and fitting a mold and so on. And so we have some really serious issues with that. We were just reading an ad by Abercrombie that some our, our sister-in-law just received this weekend um, that was horrifying. Abercrombie said, somebody asked why they didn't make clothes for larger people. And essentially what they said was, this is a 2006, I hope they've changed their mind by now, but what they said was, we only want to make clothes for cool people. 
And cool people are just kind of small, petite people. And so this is where we are going. We don't, we only want the, you know, we only want the cool people to wear our clothes. Honestly, the fact that they even ever publish that is such a sad commentary. But um, I, that is just, they're going down. That's sad. But you get the the idea that this list is, that the sort of bottom line claim is, hey, you can really be proactive and decide what you want on a lot of things that most people think they have no control over. And, and the more you decide, the more control you have. And you really can decide within a limit, within a range, how you want to look, how you want to feel, how much you want to weigh, and you can do things about it. And, and I don't think those are selfish, vain things. Ideally, they're, they're family-oriented things. I mean, a lot of the people our age that we speak to, we say, you know, the reason you want to take care of yourself and the reason you want to preserve your health is not so much for you, it's for your children. It's for your family. It's for those you love. They're the ones who will benefit if you really take care of yourself. Then number four, decide how much money you will need. And and the key to that question is understanding the difference between enough and excess. We have a stockbroker friend who it's very interesting. He says, in 40 years of practice, I've never had anyone come in and say, okay, fine, I've got enough now. I know. Isn't that funny? It's always, like, oh, I, I just need a little enough. more. I need a little more. I just want the land next to mine. You know. I know. It's crazy. And, and really, I mean, it is important to have enough so that you can visit your children and, yeah. and a plan and, you know, why you, why you want money. Not you run out, for. not be a burden on Not others. run out, right, exactly. But um, the fact that nobody thinks they really have enough is scary because, you know, enough is enough. <laughs> you just don't need a whole lot extra. And again, that's the challenge of question number four, decide. And, and that's not something you just do by sitting back and pulling a number out of there. You do the research and say, this is how much I think I'll need. And it ties in with number one, how long do you want to live, right? And do you have a plan financially that will get you to that point? And and if you do, and if you've thought it through, then that's great. And then number five, decide what you want to keep and what you want to start. People, as they get to be in their 50s and 60s, start saying, you know, they should start thinking, what do I want to do now? Do I want to devote myself to the things I've always done or do I want to make some changes? You know, how important is our sports to me? How important is music? How much time do I want to spend on these things? And how much do I need in terms of my house? Do I want to downsize? Do I want to live a simpler life? Or do I want to continue to live pretty much as I've always lived. I mean, these are all, they're, they're, and they're questions of self-examination. Exactly, and there's no right answer. It depends on how you feel and, and the best thing for your own life and your own families. So what do you want to keep and what do you want to throw away? I mean, there's nothing that feels quite as good as going through your closet and getting rid of everything you haven't worn for the last two years. I love my trips to the DI. In fact, we have a new book that our darling little Eva, uh, this is a long story, but kind of a semi-adopted daughter, uh, found, and it's called The Joy of Tidying Up. 
<laughs> it must be British. Or no, there's a Japanese lady. It's been translated. A Japanese lady said, if you pull something out of your closet or if you hold something that doesn't give you joy, chuck it. Get rid of things that don't give you joy. You just have so much junk around all the time. We all do. It just kind of gathers and says, oh, I might use that sometime. I might. But if it doesn't really give you happiness, then get rid of it. And we just saw a picture online on Power Moms. Um, did you see that of April? Uh, Saren's co-partner. Anyway, she had bags and bags and bags, huge plastic bags full of stuff after she read that book of just to get rid of, to simplify your life and really just have the things that really give you joy. Yeah, absolutely. Then number six, decide what you really believe spiritually and what you really want to become character-wise. You know, people, the older they get, the more they realize that faith is pretty much a decision. I mean, you can go on doubting and questioning things, and to a certain degree, that's a good thing. But at the same time, at some point, faith really comes down to a decision or a choice that you make. And so that's number six. And then number seven, decide what, and more importantly, who your legacy is going to be. And that that's a big one for, for baby boomers is, you know, deciding what are you going to leave behind. And most people, at, when you think about it, when you deliberately get into that question, it's always about your children. It's always about the people who are going to be your legacy. Well, wait a minute. Why, do you, why are you saying who is your legacy going to be? Because that's the conclusion people come to, is that their legacy is not going to be a bridge named after them or the house that they leave behind. Their legacy is going to be their children. Oh, so like you have no control really over how many grandchildren you have or... No, but you, like have a, you, have, you have a lot of control, hopefully, over who, what kind of people they are. And they become your legacy. Right. Okay. Well, that's true. And and I like to think about how are they going to remember me? And uh, I want them to remember more than just I can make really good chocolate chip cookies. I want them to know that I love music and I love art and I love nature. And and I I want them to know that. And there are times that you have to organize with your grandchildren to let them know how much you love what you love and so, so you leave that legacy so as we run out of time again today on Ayers on the road i think the bottom line is be deliberate about some of these decisions in terms of what you can and can't do during the balance of your life again this was written for baby boomers who are thinking of their their next 20 years maybe as their last 20 years but they're good evaluation questions for all of us. And the bottom line conclusion is be proactive about it. And excited about it. It's an exciting time of life. We're loving it. I hope you do too. We wouldn't go back. And we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road.